The Gun Dog Notebook Podcast is presented to you by Onyx Hunt, crafted to be the number one digital mapping resource for hunters, anglers, and landowners. Download the Onyx Hunt app from your phone's app store today and use my promo code GDN20 for 20% off your Onyx subscription. If you want to get the most of your dog in your training sessions, you need nutrition that holds nothing back. Yukonuba's new premium performance lineup is built with the nutrients dogs need to help unleash their maximum potential. That starts with providing energy that matches their efforts, supporting optimal nutrient delivery, and supporting post-exercise recovery. Check out the new Yukonuba premium performance lineup and find your dog's fuel at yukonubasportingdog.com. All right, and I also want to say thank you and give a special shout out to my newest sponsor, AYA Fine Guns. A fine shotgun is itself a work of art as individual as its owner. Why choose an AYA? Well, every AYA gun is handmade uh, by our master gun makers with meticulous attention and precision. Each constituent part is carefully shaped and little by little, the parts come together until a perfect hole is created. Barrel, action, locks, trigger, stock, foreign. An AYA gun is a marvel of gun making engineering, a coming together of perfectly fitted and calibrated parts to ensure an unequaled experience with a reliability and longevity which defy the passing of time. Choose AYA today. And I also, as of this episode, want to welcome on board a new sponsor, Alpha Dog Nutrition. If we expect our dogs to perform like professional athletes, it's time we start treating them like one. Alpha Dog Nutrition's free-range, vitality, resurgence, recovery, and balanced probiotic is packed with supplements your dog needs for proper digestion, recovery, and joint care for the preservation of each new day in the field. Check out the options for supplement bundles as well on alphadognutrition.com. All right. And then one of my last title sponsors, Trinity Kennels, Trinity Bretons. Um, guys, thank y'all for, for those who have put deposits down at Trinity Bretons. I've, y'all have reached out to me and let me know how how convinced and, and confident y'all are in their breedings um, of Epignol Bretons. Um, at Trinity Bretons, they strive to raise, train, and produce and reproduce all that are excellent uh, representations of the breed, both in field and confirmation over the past 30 years. They've continued to study, learn, and implement all that they can do into their breeding program and philosophy, as well as their training program. Um, it culminated in being awarded the National Elevage winner in the 2020 CBUS National Conclave and Field Trial in South Carolina. So check out Trinity Batons today, guys. Thank you so much. And of course, I always want to thank my, my affiliates, Lion Country Supply, Dakota 283 Kennels, and Garmin Fishing Hunt for always supporting the podcast and, and, and just being, again, role models and leaders in this community and, and really bringing, bringing new products into the world, upland world by storm. So thank you guys as always, and I'm looking forward to getting into this podcast. 
Okay, so just a couple of, I guess a couple of updates and things and, and, and stuff that's going on, on on my end of the world. Um, Garmin, <laughs> it's looking like I am about to finally get my hands on a, um, a 200i. A couple other things that I needed, but I want to kind of go ahead and thank Garmin in advance, um, you know, for that. And also, you know, just, of course, the unprecedented amount of support that, you know, you guys give to Garmin as well as, a, a, you know, because of the podcast. Um, I know a lot of you guys have reached out to me and asked me about my thoughts on the 200i and I wasn't able to give it to you because I didn't have it. Well, I should have it soon. I'm excited. Um, I also want to. You know, thank Orvis for the partnership and, and some of the things that we've got going on, you know, down the pipeline and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, so Reed Bryant has always been a good friend and uh, we've been strategizing on some ideas um, revolving Orvis and Minority Outdoor Alliance. So I'm trying to get those solidified as well. Um, also, those of you guys that did the uh, social media uh, tagging on the uh, audiobook from Project Upland, The Setter by Edward Laverack. Um, you know, three of y'all should check y'all's inboxes. You'll have a promo code coming in there soon um, to, to get that audiobook for free. And those of you all that have already bought it and have told me that y'all enjoyed it, um, that's dope. You know, I'm relaying that information to Project Upland so we can continue as a, you know, collective unit to, uh, continue you know pushing the bar and getting you guys good historical um information i also had a great time with um danielle pruitt kevin gillespie um meat eater crew cannon ridge media folks um you know i really had a, a fun weekend you know on that project as well so guys you know look forward to some things down the pipeline with with danielle and and you know, just they're just a good group of people. So thank you all for that as well. Um, and Kevin, good Lord, man, that food was <laughs> amazing. So look forward to hearing from both of those folks on the podcast coming up soon. Um, and I got another episode that I just recorded with uh, Chuck Duggan on the last day of quail season, which was this past Sunday. Um, it's Tuesday now. So. You know, it was fun. We got into a lot of coveys um, at Hollywood Plantation, and then I was able to log in a lot through my Onyx uh, Hunt app. A lot, of, uh, probably about five or six new coveys this season. Um, but I want to thank Mr. Duggan for a wonderful last uh, day at the the at Hollywood Plantation, just hanging out. We didn't even shoot any birds. We were just in good habitat, honestly, and just talking and listening to the history of, of that place. Um, so look forward to another episode coming soon. Um, I just need to piece it together. Um, you know, and I'm just always grateful for good quail knowledge um, and habitat knowledge that, you know, that's something that I really wanted to challenge myself to further understand um, on a much deeper level. So, you know, I've been, you know, scouring the Tall Timbers uh, Habitat Management Handbook and, and, and learning from that as well. Um, you know, and 
we got two new interns, Blair Matt, Blair Matthew and Adrian uh, Malandrucolo. I'm terrible about names, so Adrian, I'm sorry, buddy. But you know who you are. Um, I needed it, and I, I, I really appreciate these two gentlemen uh, stepping forward and getting this stuff knocked out. So I am backlogged with... Uh, episode summaries so for my new listeners um, for for folks new to the podcast you guys will have um, kind of an idea of what we're talking about um, in the episodes um, Blair and Matthew have been knocking those out um, you know relatively quickly so we'll we'll get those updated and on the project upland um, page as well so I'm, I'm excited to finally get caught up with that. Um, you know, it it's it's really a blessing to have that kind of support. So I wanted to thank those two gentlemen and look forward to more coming from them down the pipeline as well. And then I want to make sure I go ahead and encourage you guys to right now is a good time of the year to go ahead and think about joining, renewing or or subscribing to your local Upland uh, conservation organization. So for me, it's Quail Forever. You know, I'm, I'm a member of others, but I'll say Quail Forever is, you know, in my focus group, so to speak. Um, so make sure you guys go and subscribe or 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 join, not subscribe, but join these these organizations um, because your dollars matter. Um, and I don't say that enough on the podcast, but I feel like I should, um, you know, really encourage folks to just be mindful of their their local conservation organization and the chapters you know around your area um you know those those folks have helped me a ton um and like i said down here in georgia i can see i personally can see where the dollars are going um you know each hunt so i make sure that i thank those folks um as well so in addition to that um i i I'm, I've been doing a lot of writing and a lot of, you know, dog training kind of uh, training philosophies. I don't necessarily want to say tips. It's more of a kind of a philosophical kind of thing for uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers Backcountry Journal. So if you guys get a chance, man, go check those articles out. Um, you know, I really, I, I want to know what you guys think. It, it, I'm dealing with the concept of simplicity and I'd love to hear your thoughts on them so those are in the most recent last two backcountry journals for backcountry hunters and anglers and uh, the way you get it is go be a member <laughs> go join BHA so um, you know I want to encourage folks to do that as well and then I think guys i, I I think I got all my announcements over with. It's been a good season. It's been a really good season, and uh, I've learned a lot. I've done a lot. Managed to really stick to the idea of being thorough about, you know, the covers that you hunt um, and not taking for granted that local cover. You know, I, I didn't get a chance to travel this season. And by travel, I mean, like, really go out of state. Um, so I just made sure I cleaned shop, you know, down here and, and really explored new areas and got a little bit more creative with, you know, my the, the my, my quail cubby 
covers um, down in this area. So with that being said, um, this is the episode about Minority Outdoor Alliance a bit more. Um, you know, we got a little bit of a, a, a plot twist on you, but uh, I hope y'all enjoy it. Let me know what you think and please go to minorityoutdooralliance.org um, and, and donate to our cause. We, we always appreciate it and we've got a lot of really dope initiatives, like I said, in the pipeline and, and ready for 2021. So here we go, guys. Stay tuned for the episode. All right, guys, here's another episode of the Gundog Notebook podcast, but we're going to do it the other way around this time. So I got my buddy Josh Ryder and fellow board member of Minority Outdoor Alliance, um, part owner of Trinity Kennels, who is one of our beloved sponsors of the podcast as well. Well, Josh is on here and we're going to flip the script on you guys because Josh thought it would be a phenomenal idea for me to get interviewed on my show about my nonprofit. So because of that, I want to introduce you guys to Josh and uh, at the same time introduce Ashley when she can get in here with from dealing with the kiddos because we're kind of in the middle of sleep training some and my daughter doesn't want to go to sleep. <laughs> so that's kind of where we are. But anyway, Josh, you on the line, man. How, how's it going? Going well, man. Absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, I thought it'd be a good idea for you and Ashley to get to talk a little bit about, you know, the, this brainchild of yours starting the Minority Outdoor Alliance. And since you're always the one asking the questions, you don't get to talk about some of your visions and passions all that much. So I thought the least I could do is ask questions to let you and Ashley carry on a conversation for the world to hear. Okay. Kind of your, your heart and your desire behind the MOA. Well, I, uh, I appreciate the consideration, man. And uh, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm game for it. It's going to be a little, little different, I guess, but I'm going to move at your pace. How about that? Hey, that works for me. And if you want to slow me down or speed me up, go for it. <laughs> well, you know, I can talk. Yes, I do. <laughs> so look, I'm going to throw some, you know, some more thoughts and stuff like that uh, around as well, just in case, you know, so be prepared, man. I might flip it back on you too. Hey, I'm, I'm good with whatever you want to do, man. All right. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to let you go from here, buddy. Sounds good. I was, I was going to start, you know, asking you and Ashley at the same time, kind of what was the impetus or the, what kind of started this whole vision of, of the minority outdoor Alliance, but maybe it would, maybe it'd be helpful to wait until she can break into the room Mm-hmm. and answer it with you and maybe you can we can just start with you telling all of us how you got into upland hunting and bird dogs and guiding and all that kind of stuff okay yeah we'll um like i said she's she's dealing with the kiddos now and uh we'll tackle that so i don't I, man i a long time ago remember shooting squirrels with a bb gun in my granddaddy's backyard which i don't necessarily consider hunting but it was I guess for me, the most hunting like thing to do as a kid, um, you know, growing up in the city of Atlanta and 
you know, going to private school my whole life, I, I would have, you know, classmates and peers and stuff like that. Um, gone at a certain time of the year, uh, round about hunting season time. And they, and I, and I didn't know what they were doing at the time, but they would come back just excited and, uh, you know, would tell me these stories about some of their hunts. And I just thought that was really dope, but I never got a chance to do it um, in high school. So college passes, I'm, I'm done with running track and, and I'm done with college um, for, with undergrad and I want to get into something. And I'm like, well, you know, why not go ahead and try my hand at, at hunting? I've seen enough of it. And I did. I went to Albany State University. And I had no clue that I was even in quail country at the time. Um, so in college, I kind of kicked myself because I'm like, dang, what if I had uh, gotten into it then? Which will play out later on in some of my thoughts about MOA. But because of that, um, I had also been training pit bulls. Like I had a few pit bulls here and there that I'd owned and, and kind of worked and traded up and, and, and not traded, trained and, um, you know, I ended up rehoming them or something like that. Like it was kind of just fun for me to do. Um, moved around in college. The last one I just couldn't keep. Um, so that one ended up getting rehomed. So I was just terribly responsible uh, or terribly irresponsible um, in that regard. But I really had an I really had a good time working at dogs. So I did that for a little while um, after college as well. Well, fast forward, um, I get into hunting, I meet my mentor, um, Eric Morris, a friend and mentor, and uh, we go out deer hunting and doing a, a couple of different things, and I just really was not that drawn to it. And so because of that, um, he took me out um, doing some pin raise quail stuff, and he had Chesapeake Bay Retriever. And that was the most hunting this quail dog I had ever seen. Like I thought it was just the coolest thing in the world, um, you know, to be hunting birds after a dog. And so I just, I got in my lab, um, you know, around that time I was about 26 when I got my lab and, uh, man, it's been on and popping ever since afterward, you know, shortly into it, I had picked up a gardening gun magazine and, uh, saw Neil Carter and Curtis Brooks, the guys that I look up to and have, and have also really kind of helped guide me and mentor me in that capacity. Um, they had these white pointers stacked up on the back of a tailgate, man. And in, in the garden and gun article, um, it was called finest to field. And I still have that article to this day. And at the time I ripped out the images of Neil and, and, and Curtis and them and put it in my composition notebook. And, uh, it was this notebook that I, I called the gun dog notebook and I had uh, really just been taking a whole bunch of notes in it. So I found my way finding Neil and Curtis and all of them down in Thomasville by calling Sincola plantation. Um, and I linked up with them and, and the story has just gotten, has just grown ever since. I got two pointers now in a lab and <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> that's awesome. There's a book in there somewhere. I think people story of hot Atlanta to the red clay country. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be a, a pretty dope book, man. Uh, we gonna have to, we have to remember that. Well, let's record it now. So we gonna, we gonna make sure we get that one out there. 
that's awesome. So, so how did that snowball for you, um, going from pit bulls to pointers and getting into bird hunting? How did that snowball and it turn into now not one but two upland oriented organizations that you run? <laughs> well, all right. So the first one, the Gun Dog Notebook podcast. Um, that was the that has been the the growth or or, or evolution of the idea of me documenting my way through learning bird dogs. Um, and it has just really grown and I've had a really good time, um, with it, interviewing people much like yourself, Josh. Um, for those of y'all that ain't heard that episode is excellent episodes with you and your dad. But, um, we, uh, yeah, it's funny. My, my daughter is still giving my wife the business. But, <laughs> um, you know, it. I don't know. The Gun Dog Notebook just really turned into a, a, a like almost like a historical piece in a lot of ways. Like it's it's like an, a growing project almost, um, and it's 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 kind of like an art project in a lot of ways for a lot of people that don't know I'm an artist, and I I kind of think about approaching it in that kind of way um and it's a way for me to document you know my dogs i think working a bird dog is is an art form so the gun dog notebook is just documentation of that art form if i guess if you want to say um and then out of that you know you spend a lot of time in uh in outdoor organizations and you get involved with you know one thing or another and next thing you know um you know next thing you know you are seeing stuff like you're in the industry right like you become a part of it and i think that's just kind of where i started noticing some of the imbalances and inequities in the outdoor industry some of it gone swept under the rug and some of it more systemic you know i noticed a lot of perceptions and things like that that just come with the territory living in the south and and hunting down here and the experiences of of being a you know black dude in atlanta trying to do trying to do all of that and i had been writing about it i had been writing about some of the sentiments and things like that that i had just been experiencing in my in my tenure outdoors and then the George Floyd murder happened, you know, and it just, I don't know, man. Like I just felt compelled to use my platform. Like, I don't know. It just, it, that scene of just seeing somebody's knee on, on that man's neck, like that makes you not want to ever let anyone keep you in that position. And I felt like that about the outdoors. Um, when it happened, we were all watching on TV, man. And my wife and I had been really uh, just struck by it, you know, like. And in the South, man, like that's not an uncommon sight. That's the problem. It's just it's on TV now. Thinking thinking back about it. And so I had an opportunity to um 
do a social media takeover for Project Upland. AJ and I had talked about it. And basically, I broke down some of the systemic issues embedded in the outdoors and in conservation practices. And I dared to call it policing because that's what it was and that's what it is. Um, it's the correlation of the, the figurative analogy of, of, of policing. And there's a lot of that going on in the outdoors. And, and unfortunately there are forces at play that are intent on keeping it that way. But fortunately there are more forces as it's, as I've seen since starting this whole thing, fortunately there are more forces at play that are looking for the outdoors to change. Those forces be you, be me, and so many other really, really good people. The quite the problem that I noticed is the responsibility falls just as much onto outdoor organizations and corporations, the ones that actually control the narrative and the power and the imagery and stuff like that. The responsibility falls on them just as much as it falls on me as an African-American in this industry with a platform. It's a collective responsibility to make sure that all parties are equally represented in the outdoors and all stories are told. That's how you normalize stuff. So with that being in mind, my wife and I used that steam after the podcast that we had done with um, Randy Shrewsbury about policing. He was, he's an ex-cop that dealt with racism in the police force. And so we were able to... to make that correlation with the outdoors and after that man like there was just an outpouring of support for for the establishment of minority outdoor alliance and shoot man like there are just projects upon projects upon projects now that we already have in motion that i'm just literally waiting to you know tie up some odds and ends on um and this thing will be moving, man. We've got a good number of partners, you know, and I can go down the list of those folks, um, you know, as we go through the podcast, man, but it's been fun, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a responsibility, I guess. Like all of that started out of a, a, a responsibility that I felt. I, I like that word that used responsibility and, and in the notes that we had before the podcast, Yes, there are notes so you don't get lost when you do a podcast, apparently. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but you, called, you called it a platform. Um, and just one of the things that sticks out to me, like a sore thumb from coming and hunting with you, but also just from my life, you know, being married to a black woman as well, is it's not, it's not so much that Northerners or those, you know, the non-minority community, um, doesn't want to believe it exists. It's the fact that we, you know, in many ways it's, it's unseen. Mm-hmm. Like you, you hunt in Iowa your whole life. You never see those, those systemic racism, you know, you don't see evidence of those things when you're out in the prairie. Right. Necessarily. Right. Now coming, coming down and hunting with you in Georgia, 
seeing some of you know the cultural differences down there it was it was it was like a backhand to the face in some ways and me and my wife spending time not in the outdoors but in you know in the south as well we it's things that you you almost have to experience to believe that they still exist right and so i think part of your platform what i what i love about the moa and what you and ashley are trying to do is very simply the idea that so many upland people or outdoors people don't even know that it, you know, there is an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and being able to put your voice out there, your experience, and sharing the experiences of others to to shift a culture that people don't even know still exists, I think, is extremely important. Well, it it is, man. And I, but the most important part about it is being one thousand percent transparent about the experience. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not just a black experience. It's not just a what? No, it's a it's an it's an environmental experience, right? The environment yeah. being all of us. Like, so it's not a <coughs> excuse me. It's not a one sided thing. You know, I'm hoping that more people come forth. You know, through the advocacy of Minority Outdoor Alliance. You know, and 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 tell their story. You know, the and and some of that comes from honestly stories that I just feel like I ain't never heard of in the outdoors. I really interested in finding a Native American upland hunter. Like I am, you you know what I'm saying? Like I'm damn interested in finding that kind of story. I've I've got one for you. Um, remind me to send send it to you. Please do. Like, we need to get that out there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, doesn't that make sense? Like, why would, why, why is upland hunting or, or a lot of outdoor activities? I, I, in 2021, why is it so white? I hate to say it like that, but it, it shouldn't, it should look, way more colorful right and maybe even a step further why is it so white dude yeah right i I think one of the things that you've been advocating for as well with it is is getting more women into the industry as well absolutely and you know women dude the the growth in women participation in the outdoors is soaring and that and that's a tribute to, you know, people realizing like, hey, you know, we could really, you know, use the participation, you know, of women. Like that's a, a, a huge percentage of them of, of the community that's not being addressed. But then the other issue about addressing it is addressing women properly in the outdoor community. Um Jennifer Wapinski, another one of our board members, she um, wrote a piece on it and I and I mean it's it's about you know women not being invisible um you know in the outdoors and 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 it's it's about make you know addressing everyone and making everyone you know be the same you know it, it, it it, it, it questions, okay, and she, what she's asking is what defines you, what defines your community. And 
You know, how does how are how are we affected by uh, invisibility and the power of representation? And I think that's a huge question to ask in the outdoors. I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think that's, that's important for all of us is, is to be able to expand the reach and retention of a diverse community in the uplands mm-hmm. moving forward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so we kind of touched on what was maybe, you know, the impetus or the, almost the straw that broke the camel's back for you. And actually what was that kind of that final push of, okay, we got to, we need to do something um, and, and we need to move on it. Um, beyond that, you know, what are some of your, you and Ashley's passions and desires for the, for the minority outdoor Alliance for a nonprofit like this? And what are some of your goals um, and aspirations for it? You know, five, 10 years down the road, what do you, what do you hope this becomes <laughs> For you guys as a family, you know, for the community at large, you know, whether that's, you know, South Georgia or, or we're talking, you know, Upland nationally. What are what are some of the things that you guys are looking most forward to? So let's start with let's when we talk about goals, let's start with, I guess, where we are. Like, what's the mission, right? Like how are we going to approach these, you know, these goals? Um, We want to essentially form a multicultural community of outdoors men and outdoors women, you know, that are active in, in constantly using and committed to, you know, public lands and public waters. Right. So that is, fundamentally what we are going after. That's what we're trying to accomplish. Um, It'd be nice. (laughs) It'd be really dope um, to knock out some of these, these lists of goals. And I mean, I'll just, I'll just read them off as, as I've got them written down, man. Um, You know, I'm a big time note taker, but what I want to do is number one, increase and sustain involvement um, from underrepresented groups through mentor mentorship programs that are guided by experts who are familiar with the norms and functions of the communities that they're educating. It doesn't, you know, in my, in my mind, if we're going to increase the, the representation, the folks that we have in those, you know, I guess as front facing, they need to be experts. And we have a lot of experts that are minorities in the outdoors who have a story to tell and would be really good teachers. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. You know, and then from there, the next thing I want to increase the voices, um, in literature from minorities in the sporting publications, marketing advertisements, podcasts, interviews, and demonstrations. So amplifying minority voices in literature whether it be a catalog or whether it be a story. When you, when you think about Upland, um, Upland, Upland literature, it's all white dudes and that can change. Um, Josh, let me switch, do some, some magic real quick. Ashley just walked in. Let me make sure she can hear you because you're in my headphones. Hang on one second. Okay. Okay. So we're talking about doing some magic. The magic that I really like to do is the magic on my dogs um, by what I put in them. 
you know, what you what you put in is what you get out. It's not necessarily the hardest concept in the world to, to figure out because you know good food when you see it. Yukonuba Sporting Dog Premium Performance is that for me. So when we talk about your dogs being in the shape they need to be to perform like we've been doing over the last few days, you want to feed them Yukonuba, guys. So check that out. And in addition to Yukonuba, I want to remind you guys that I got a whole nother episode on Alpha Dog Supplements, Alpha Dog Nutrition. So check that out as well. Um, let me know what you think. I'm excited by what it does to my dogs. Like I said, it we, we've been pushing it over the last few few weeks. We've been pushing it and that recovery formula that they have, that resurgence is really was keeping Vegas and Ruger um, on on their toes. So I appreciate Alpha Dog for that. Um, and then I just mentioned, yeah, I might have mentioned earlier or I've mentioned on a couple of episodes um, of, of other folks like the, the uh, On the Wing podcast with Nick Larson and Tyler Webster. I mentioned that I was able to find a whole lot of spots, and that's due to Onyx Hunt. Um, a lot of online scouting, a lot of a lot of digital scouting, a lot of scouting firsthand, a lot of accidental bumped coveys, um, a whole lot of stuff. But I like it because I can log all of that stuff. I can log the memories into my phone, into the waypoints. I can take photos of everything that I uh, see in the area to remind me of what was going on or, or for any kind of extensive notes. Um, and for that, guys, use my promo code GDN20 to get 20% off an Onyx subscription. All right. Um, and let me know what you think, guys. I always like to hear reviews on, on you know, y'all's experiences with the products that I promote. And then... Make sure you guys check out AYA Fine Guns, okay? I'm shooting a 410, and I dare not disrespect that gun. Good Lord, that gun is beautiful. Um, I shoot an AYA number 453, and a 410 is it's a 27-inch barrel, um, and I'm just really proud to be on the AYA team, um, part of the AYA family. They are really, really, really making a phenomenal product and affordable. I mean, for a high-end fine gun, Spanish made, um, very affordable for the caliber and the quality gun that you're, you're gonna get. So I wanna thank AYA for just, <laughs> that's that's really what's magic is, is that AYA shotgun. Um, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart, like, wow um and we have we have killed a, a number of wild birds with the, with that gun um this season so AYA I really want to thank you for the excellent just craftsmanship attention to detail I can go on um I feel like I'm carrying like Harry Potter's wand or something like that um so yeah and uh on the on the wing podcast with Ronald Bame um they were talking about houses like the the, the houses of, of 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 Harry Potter since I'm talking about Harry Potter's wand um Slytherin is the best house ladies and gentlemen okay but anyway 
I will uh, I'll get off of that and I'll end with Trinity Bretons. Um, and I just want to again always thank Josh Ryder um, for his just diligence and you know patience and his persistence to see um, the gun dog notebook take off and move forward um, in addition to Minority Outdoor Alliance. So with Trinity Bretons, um, I know I will end up having a moose pup. Um, yes, I'll get me a short tail. Josh, is, Josh and I have worked out a um, little bit of a deal for me to have a pup from his champion moose out of Rhea that uh, just came over from France. So I don't know when that'll be, <laughs> but when the time is right, you know, I'll be getting one of those pups. Um, that's 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 our little friendship thing going on. Anyway, um, Trinity Bretons, I wouldn't, you know, I, I would not doubt that this pup, this pup out of moose is gonna be phenomenal. Why? Because Josh does his research um he is a pedigree hound like i wish that i was um they know their stuff they know their information and they're thorough about their breedings thorough about what they're producing and obviously it works because moose is the 2019 national elevage champion so with that being said um check them out hit up trinity kennels trinity Bretons. Um, you can find them on Instagram. You can find them online um, and you can find them at Minority Outdoor Alliance. All right, guys, I'm going to stop rambling on. I just wanted to make sure that I brought those folks that have you know, done this podcast so well um, back into y'all's minds. All right. Here's the rest of the episode. And I hope y'all enjoy. Perfect. We're back. Ashley is now joining us. Um, yeah. Hi, Josh. It's good to talk to you again. I'm glad that you got the kiddos put down at least for a few minutes. Oh, gosh. I hope it's longer than a few minutes, Josh. I really do. <laughs> but yes, they're both they're both in the bed. Well, good. So me and Darrell had just kind of talked through uh, how you guys finally kind of launched the Minority Outdoor Alliance kind of on, you know, following the, the death of George Floyd and, and the fallout that came after that and the conversations and things culturally that came after that. And, and kind of the next thing I think to dive into for both of you guys uh, is, you know, launching the Minority Outdoor Alliance. What what are your initial desires or passions in launching a nonprofit like this? And what are some of your goals or, you know, long-term aspirations for what you hope uh the Minority Outdoor Alliance can be both for you guys as a family, for your kids, but also for the greater, you know, uh, Upland community and diversification of it. Sure. Okay. Darrell's pointing to me. So uh, that's my cue. I want to apologize, apologize if it's a bit redundant because I didn't hear the his answers before now because um, I was putting the, the kids down. Um, but Minority Outdoor Alliance, like you said, um, was definitely a response on the heels of just a very, very, um, I would say, tumultuous summer, um, to put it lightly. And to me, you know, the, the conversations that Darrell and I have and, they're, you know, the conversations we've had with um, 
not just other minorities, but people in general who are just in a space where we recognize that, you know, some changes need to happen. Um, So with that thought in mind, we just started thinking about how we could contribute to the movement. Because if you're paying attention, you know, 2020 was full of like life altering, world altering events. And I don't think it's a coincidence that all of these things happen, you know, whether it's whether it was the murders or whatever it was, all of it happening back to back while we were all in quarantine. So not only did were we forced to watch these very visceral, you know, these things that had very visceral reactions with inside of us, but we were forced to be in our homes and sit with it. You know, I don't think that that is a coincidence. Um, so if you're paying attention to the overall trend, um, you know, Darrell and I believe that that United States of America, the United States of America is definitely evolving. The soul of America is evolving. Um, and with that in mind, we wanted to know how we could contribute to the movement. And we wanted it to be authentic to, you know, something that we are already invested in. And of course, everybody knows that Darrell is a huge outdoorsman. And when you break down any type of, any type of, racism and not just racism, but anytime when someone has discomfort or dislike for a group of people, because that's, you know, it's not like, you know, every person, right. But when you have a a dislike or, um, you don't understand, um, another group of people, you, you reject your talk. It's like when you submit to the idea of racism, you are taught to reject people consciously and subconsciously. So I think some people are doing it intentionally, but others really don't know. Others aren't always conscious of what they're doing. There's a thing called unconscious bias. So to wrap all that up in a bow, we have to be able to be welcoming and loving towards one another in all spaces, right? And the outdoors is a huge space, a huge wide open space that belongs to everyone. Now, there's a long history as to why minorities are not um, have not been as comfortable in the past in the outdoors. And of course, that's changed. There, there, there are hundreds of thousands, of, if not millions of people just like Darrell. Um, but how can we make this space welcoming to everyone? How can we, you know, cast down the veil and dissolve all the things that we think you know, divide us and and focus on what unites us. And the outdoors is definitely a space to do that. So our mission is making the outdoors for everyone, because at the end of the day, like I said, when you submit to an idea like racism, you are deciding in advance that you're not going to give people who don't look like you a chance. And really, when you think about that, it's a very silly concept. Like, it's a very silly concept when we could really be releasing everything that limits us and being open to ideas such as unity and love and um, being not even just tolerant, but accepting of everyone. I think that is how we truly make the world a better place. So Minority Outdoor Alliance is just our heart project and our contribution to that movement. So if it's like if the soul of the world, if the soul of America is going to start evolving, the Smith household wants to contribute in a very real way. So that's why that's why we started MOA. 
wonderful. And for those of you who are listening who don't know this all, Ashley's full title is Miss Ashley Smith Esquire. <laughs> not my <laughs> nonprofit as well as the support system behind Darrell's crazy lifestyle. <laughs> so thank you, Ashley, for everything that you have done and continue to do and for your for your heart and you know, express what you just said about unifying outdoors and making it a safe space for everyone. Thank you, Josh. Darrell, how about you? What are what are the goals or aspirations that you have in mind, you know, over the next five or ten years or maybe, you know, right away on day one for what the, the Minority Outdoor Alliance can be? Well, um, well, I think we should lead with what we already have in the bag, Josh, and that is the scholarship. Yeah. I think we should lead with that one. Um, the funding is there um, for a one scholar. And of course, we want to expand that to way more, you know, per year. But we can start with one and we are looking for a minority student, uh, male or female, that. It, you know, and, and by student, I mean undergraduate in their junior or senior year. Um, we are offering $1,000 um, for two years, so $2,000 total, um, and a bird dog puppy from Trinity uh, Kennels, Josh, your kennels. And uh, we want to basically mentor someone in the outdoors, uh, provide opportunities for um, literature, you know, an opportunity to tell your story, talk about your development, um, and offer a mentor to someone, you know, that has been deemed, I guess, or, or nominated for the scholarship. I guess that's how you say that. So that's the first thing that we're really coming out of the gate that I'm excited to have available um, and we've gotten a lot of support there um, we've got partnerships in that realm as well so um, if other folks want to hear more about it of course we can go into detail um, you know in person or I can email out or or send out any more information as needed but then there are some other things that I guess as far as initiatives and, and like goals like goal specific things that I really want to tackle. And part of that is just overall increasing um, increasing minority voices in literature. Like, that's a, a big thing for me. You know, when I read a lot of outdoor literature, it's all white men that are telling the stories. And that's great. Like, the stories are wonderful, but that, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't. Uh, it's not a inclusive. Yeah, yeah, it's not the entire picture. Right. You know, so I want to show more minorities in sporting publications and literature and podcasts and interviews. And honestly, my big thing is I want to answer questions for these larger organizations and corporations that don't know how to address diversity and inclusion in the outdoors. I mean, we want to be a solution. I keep saying it. I mean, you're not going to walk into a minority neighborhood, you know, as an unfamiliar character 
and expect people to just go be outside with you and kumbaya. It, it's just it, that's not a realistic assumption. So I want to solve the or 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 put something in place to bridge the gap of communication and show these brands and organizations how to authentically serve and represent all of their consumer base. You know, I want to put a plan of action to increase minority participation in conservation efforts. We're out on the water. We're out in the field. You know, and historically we've, we've been, actively engaged in the outdoors, why not have more voices and and hands-on participation in conservation? That's how we keep public lands public, by making it more public. You know, and then after that, man, um, we we partnered with some, some larger brands to work on individual projects. We've got partners with uh, Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership, um, Orvis. We are working with Trinity Kennels. We are partners with the Georgia River Network. Um, You know, and and we are partners with Northwoods Collective and Project Upland. Um, You know, we're, we're really, really, really starting to reach out and extend our grasp if that makes sense you know and try to I mean be what we say we are we're an alliance and it takes a village to be able to solve you know the the issue of representation you need people to to show what other people look like you know so those are are my big things I really want to concentrate on the sporting outdoors and let that be a focus group for con or for, for conversation. That's wonderful. So if I, I hear you right, there's, there's four, four breakdowns of ways or, or places to get involved. If, if anybody's interested, you could be a scholar. You fit that. You could be a mentor. If you're an outdoorsman or outdoor outdoors woman who's willing to give some time, and where can they find out more about mentoring, Darrell? Uh, directly through MinorityOutdoorAlliance.org. Um, you know, our contact information is on there, and I actually have a, a a list of emails, and it's for Upland, but I think it'd be great to expand it to. Um, you know, more outdoor activities, but I have a list of people per state and a buddy of mine, Paul Cook actually came up with the idea and we, we kind of started it, but basically it connects people across state to state lines. Um, so I think just as far as the, the, the practice of mentorship, just reach out to us, me, you, Ashley. Um, and we can either get you connected with, someone that that could help you or if you're looking you know to be mentored why not make a directory you know that's what we've already got started anyway so just reach out to us and let's go ahead and put it in a directory you know what i'm saying absolutely so you could you can be a scholar you can be a mentor you can be a partner organization one of the larger ones you're talking about you know through through getting involved in one of the things that 
that you guys are launching now, maybe even internships down the road, you know, for younger, younger minority kids who are getting into the, into the outdoors. Um, and then lastly is the idea of sponsors, whether you have five bucks or more money than you know what to deal with, you know, contributing to some of these things. And what are, what are some of the venues for people to get engaged and stuff like that? So for sponsorship, um, always just general donations are great. <laughs> and that is, again, available through minorityoutdoorlines.org. But some of the larger projects that we're looking for um, sponsorship and money for, um, one of them is, of course, the scholarship. We want to go ahead and, you know, take on $10,000 donors. And with those larger donations like that, we are, you know, Josh, you and I are offering a guided, a special individual guided hunt um, for those big donors. But, you know, with my dogs, your dogs, um, you know, an entire experience, all expenses paid as far in that regard um, at a very, very, very nice um, location. We've got a few in mind. Um, just depending on where we are in the country, <laughs> if they want to do it in Iowa or here in Georgia. Um, and we're also trying to make sure that we can basically add more scholars to the list. So the more sponsorship dollars that we have for that initiative, the more kids we can, you know, put a dog in their hands. So that's the major, major project right now. There's also a bird dog school initiative that I'm uh, working on and talking with um, Orvis about. So we're putting it together the plans to work at um, Purcell Farms and basically bringing in an entire outdoor school. So it'll be bird dogs. Um, I want to do a fly fishing um, school as well. So just a, a weekend kind of workshop type deal. So there's always that sponsorship um, or donation to that cause as well. And as far as being able to access these opportunities, um, we'll continue to update the MOA website and uh, following us on Instagram as well, mm-hmm. uh, which is just at Minority Outdoor Alliance. Um, so that's where you can find out more about these things. And then I have one more opportunity um, that, you know, we really just started um, partnership with, and that's with the Georgia River Network. So on the Minority Outdoor Alliance website, we have a number of um, opportunities through the Georgia River Network, and we are going to start working on cleaning up some of the waterways here in the city of Atlanta. Matter of fact, um, one big thing for me is seeing a lot of riverways and, and, and creeks and waterways and things like that in the, in, in my city and in one part of the city, they're super clean and they're, you know, they're well taken care of. And then in cities where they're predominantly, you know, black or Hispanic, communities the riverways are are trashed so we're gonna start a new initiative with the georgia river network um 
and start some activities with them as well. I'm actually um, newly on their board. So it'll be a really close partnership and connection there. Um, we'll be working with um, Rena Ann Peck. She's the executive director over at the Georgia River Network. Um, so, you know, we have some updates coming there um, and some some new news. So just a lot of irons in the fire, <laughs> to say the least. You got to have irons in the fire, man. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, so again, if if you're a listener and you're interested in getting engaged in whatever way, reach out, you know, tap somebody, tag somebody with Instagram, email, through the website. There's always there's always work to be done and, and volunteer hours to be picked up by whoever wants to be engaged and involved. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, Josh, let me ask you, man, like, what is, what makes you driven to be on the board of Minority Outdoor Alliance, man. I mean, you know, when when I had initially spoke to you about it, I mean, you were pretty much like it's a no-brainer. So what's your uh what's your piece of it? Yeah, that's it's a good question. It's for me, I think it probably stems from being raised so me and you have had this conversation offline, but it's it's two parts really. The the first part is being raised in a dog and hunting family. I was afforded the opportunity to be able to get into the outdoors, in in particular upland hunting, which is my love, and into bird dogs from a young age without having to have the money up front to invest in things like a truck or a gun or gear or dog. I just had it handed down from from my father, which was fantastic. Most people don't have that. If I was graduating college today, there's no way I could get into upland hunting with student loans and the whole nine, just trying to you know trying to make ends meet and pay rent. Um, so that's one of the one of the things when you started sharing your vision about being able to afford, you know, younger the opportunity to fall in love with the thing that I love, um, the ha- the hobby, the passion that I have for it. It, it, it struck a chord with me. And this, the second part of that is being married to, um, you know, my wife, Candace, who is a black, Jamaican, wonderful lady. Uh, you said black Jamaican? Things. Sorry if that was awkward. Um, say no, say that one more Say that one all, more time. Josh. You said you actually broke up right there. Say that one more time. You said black Jamaican. Yeah, my wife Candace is a black Jamaican lady, wonderful lady, um, but it opened my eyes to a lot of different things that I didn't know existed. Living in Washington, D.C. and pastoring in a church there opened my eyes to things that I never knew existed when I lived in Iowa. So seeing, seeing those things that are felt from cultures outside of the one I grew up in make me all the more willing. I have the ability and I have passion to want to be able to step into that arena and be a, a voice of change or growth or maturation, whatever it is, knowing that if I didn't have the life experience I've had over the last decade, I wouldn't even understand a lot of what the Minority Outdoor Alliance is aiming to to cure, to fit change. So just to try to be a mouthpiece of the culture that I grew up in, in many ways, is, is what makes me want to get on board. Okay. All right. I see you, man. Well, 
We appreciate everything that you're doing, man. And absolutely, you know, you have been a tremendous, tremendous help um, already, you know, out the gate. So, I mean, we can't thank you enough, Josh. I appreciate that. Both of you is, it was great coming down and spending a little bit of time with you and the family and, and meeting the kiddos, even in the midst of a global pandemic. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, I really appreciate it. And it's been great. And I think it'll be a lifelong friendship. Absolutely. Friendship. Oh, uh, you're stuck with us as, as Darrell says, what, what are you saying? I say you stuck with me. man. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're stuck with us. <laughs> hey, that's fine. It goes both ways. All right, deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, now, did we cover everything? I still wanted to ask you guys um, what you're most excited for in the first year of the MOA. Oh man, I was like, I knew there was something in there that we hadn't covered. You had a yes, I knew you had something up your sleeve. Um, Ashley, uh, you go first. What you want to cover in the first year? In the first year, so. I really want to have um, definitely have a landmark event where we're bringing uh, minorities and um, definitely just interested people into a space where we can do an outdoor activity. I think Darrell teased something earlier. We might do something at Purcell Farms. We'll see how it comes together. So I'm definitely excited. I think it'll be fun uh, as 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 hopefully the pandemic gets better we can start gathering again and having a good time. So I'm definitely excited to do something like that. I am also excited. You know, one thing that has just been beautiful, a beautiful expression for Darrell is his writing. And, you know, he's done Outdoor Life and Project Upland and Gundog Magazine. I can't name all of them right now, but (laughs) has really been able to use his literary voice on some amazing platforms. And, um, as a show of appreciation for that and also an acknowledgement of the responsibility and the honor it is for him to be able to do that. He is on a mission to get more minority literary voices out there in the outdoor space. So I'm very excited to see who, you know, what new talent we can find um, to see how they will contribute. I am also extremely excited about this scholarship. I told Darrell, Josh, I haven't said this to you yet. I think that 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 it is the most fantastic initiative. Like it's actually my favorite one um, because it really makes us have boots on the ground as far as, you know, looking at the applications and really, really finding someone to help um, and, and nurture uh, for all the reasons that you all have listed beforehand. So I think, you know, I think it's we're on another wonderful journey <laughs> together. Um, and I'm excited to do it and, you know, making the outdoors, making the outdoors for everyone and honestly just making everything for everyone, because I do believe we're in a in a space where and um, a zeitgeist really in, in a in a in an era where we have to be more inclusive and more mindful and more loving towards one another. And I'm excited to partner with you, Josh, and with Darrell and just everybody else who's going to join this train. We have some awesome sponsors um, to really get this thing going and seeing how we can abolish some myths and abolish some silly stuff and really just get out there and have a good time. Um, and there's no other place, no better place to do it than the outdoors. Can you top that? 
Come on now, man. You know I can't top that. <laughs> you knew not to ask me that the moment that it came out. <laughs> um, well, thank, thank you, Ashley. What about you, Darrell? In the first year, I... You know what, man? I'm so excited about this scholarship. The first year, I want to see the look on a kid's face. Yeah, that's um, you know when they get that puppy and we put the scholarship dollars in their hand and they start the pursuit of a life in bird dogs like that's what I'm I mean there's a lot of stuff that I could list off and rattle off Um, but honestly everything seems like it's coming a million miles an hour um, at times and so I want to be able to slow down and just look on that kid's face and, you know, hopefully see, you know, the same look that I get, you know, every time I get a dog, you know what I'm saying? And and what that means for learning and, and their experience. That's what I'm looking forward to. Wonderful. That's <laughs> good stuff. What's what's the most daunting challenge for you guys launching this thing? Um, or or is none of it done? Just that exciting? No, it ain't none of it. I'll tell you that now. Yeah, so daunting, Ashley. Daunting's probably a really good adjective. I mean, I think, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a really important responsibility, you know? Like we take what we do extremely seriously. Uh Darrell is a type of person that goes one thousand percent one million percent like he goes full throttle and so do i um and that is in all areas of what we do so we also both work full time and you know we're parents um so i think it's just always the 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 honest okay uh, the honest of okay let's sit down like we still have to be able to do it all and we will because we are motivated to do it so i definitely think there is just that if we're being honest um, just the okay let's sit down it's, it's going to cause us to be more or, organized it's going to require a different level of partnership out of the two of us um, like even you know this podcast is an example of it to be very honest you know he had to start it because we had to very I don't know why both of our children decided to protest bedtime tonight <laughs> at the same exact time and they definitely were, definitely were playing off each other like they can hear each other crying um, but, you know, mommy had to go in and handle that while daddy started talking to you. You know, it's just it just it's going to require a different level of partnership of us. And, um, you know, it's definitely worth it. Uh, but, you know, there will be definitely be some personal growth for us within that. So I don't know. Maybe it's not as daunting, but, you know, I'm just aware that there will be challenges when it comes to doing it all. Yeah, Um daunting is a good word <laughs> is a very good word um the daunting piece of it is honestly knowing that with great power there's great responsibility mm, to whom much is given much is required yeah Look at like spider-man or or the bible verse because <laughs> that. that's well, that's, yeah. where, that's where it comes from. I mean, I know, but I got it from <laughs> Spider-Man. Hey. <laughs> so. Um, Either way, it's, it's an awesome quote. Yeah. 
I think that's the daunting part of it is, you know, putting putting your money where your mouth is and doing something good and being 100% about good um, and modeling that in, in as many areas of your life as possible. Um, I think that's what it requires. Um, and the other d- weirdly daunting thing is the amount of adversarial messaging that comes with it. Oh yeah. Um, it's people, weird, man. Like, yeah, some very mean things. And I'm just going to address this not because, and I normally don't, don't acknowledge negative energy, but if you feel triggered by the mission of this organization, that is a call on your heart to understand why it triggers you. And this is a per- this is personal work like this. We can take everything. This is Ashley speaking to you like from my heart, seriously, because at the end of the day, if, if you're a Christian, you'll understand this. It's your duty to work out your own salvation. If you're just a person that wants to be better, some release the negativity within you. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to label it. It doesn't just race anything that may turn you off. Like take all that out of your head and just ask yourself, are you being a nice person? And if you don't agree with the mission, that's okay. You don't have to. You'll get there. The soul of the world is still going to evolve with or without you. But you don't have to send, you know, negative messages. You can just acknowledge that, hey, that's not does it that doesn't really resonate with me. But don't use your your unlimited power because you really are a powerful person. I don't I, I wish people wouldn't use the awesomeness that they have inside of them to try to speak negatively to others. I think that's definitely the downside to being so connected via social media. So I just would just encourage people to survey why things trigger you. And if you are in a space and willing and brave enough to do the internal work to understand why a message and a mission of unity triggers you, then I encourage you to walk that walk. And I promise you, you will come out on the better, on the, on, on the better side of things if you can truly do that work. So that's a sidebar, but you know, so I agree with you that that is daunting because there's still another person on the other side of when you're writing mean messages um, that happens to be a husband and a father and a man who really is committed to doing something really good. And the motivation behind that truly, I guess I'm just going to go ahead and expose him is um, (laughs) his, his late mother was an extremely, like amazing human being who um, although she lived just over 30 years did amazing things while she was here and so one of his number one driving factors is to do if you know more than she did what can what can he leave behind that makes the world a better place just like she did so just to take she just had cancer initiative and everything like she did so much stuff with with not as much time as a lot of us are granted with. So let's use our time to uplift one another. And if you don't agree, then you can agree. You can disagree without being disagreeable. And I think that's a, that's a, that's something that people would like. Everyone should learn how to do. So, you know, that is daunting that we are going to have to have tough skin and that's fine. And that's a part of it. Um, and be able to face those who don't agree with us. And that's okay. We are prepared, but we will do it in love. Because as you can tell, you know, I don't play that, that nasty game. Um, so 
you know, sorry to take over your answer, mm-hmm. but I don't like people coming for you. No, so. you're, you're good, man. And quite frankly, you know, dogs, if I take it back to bird dogs, dogs don't respond to, you know, all kind of foolish negativity either. I mean, so this is also an initiative that helps me be a better dog man if I'm being totally frank um, you know it, it's the larger responsibility of taking care of the outdoors to be able to run my dogs yeah you know um, and understanding that enjoying the outdoors also means being a conservationist mm-hmm. and just taking care of it in all facets mm-hmm so that's, you know, <laughs> the long way around your question. Great answer. I didn't I didn't know you could preach, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> I am, you know, just sharing what's on my heart. No, I love it. And I, you know, I would I would double down on it, too. I, I don't have to because you said it well. But for people who don't who don't know what they don't know, you know, I think I speak for the whole board and, and for you, too, certainly. Feel free to ask questions. It doesn't have Absolutely. to come from a place of hostility. We'd love to have conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's perfect. Well, yeah, ask and that's question. yeah. It, I mean, that's what it's going to take. Honestly, I it's it's very redundant. I'm not going to lie. It it is very redundant when we're having these conversations about normalizing race in the outdoors like you would think that we wouldn't be having this conversation but honestly Josh I would rather folks say hey look I just don't know how do we figure this out I would rather folks just ask instead of assume Um, there's a lot of research out there on why certain demographic groups don't participate in the outdoors um, and, and I mean, I could break down and, and, and provide the, the, the stats and things like that, uh, that talk about, you know, why Asian Americans don't, you know, historically don't participate in the outdoors as much or why African Americans, why Hispanic Americans, so on and so forth. Um, and it just really comes down to why don't we just ask these people, these groups what do you want out of the outdoors? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not a hard question. What do you want out of the outdoors? That's one major incentive, you know, when you put the ball in somebody else's court. Right. You know, and I'm and I'm gonna let Ashley follow up on that too. Oh, and just I just um Josh, I, I just love just ask questions. I love I just love that in general because sometimes you just don't understand and sometimes you just don't know. And at the end of the day, there's a lot of very strong discourse that's happening and it's okay. Like I I also recognize that if you are a member of the majority race, you may not even know what to do. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to ask. You don't know where to start. You're afraid of being labeled as racist, but then you don't want to not acknowledge it. What do I do? So then there's there might be a, a, a just like mental paralysis there. I, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know how to process it. And that's okay. It's okay to be where you are. And that's the thing. A conversation is an exchange. You know, you don't have to get it. You don't have to 
to, to get it all right or to know everything. You just have to have an open heart and an open mind and, you know, agree ahead of time to just that we have to be we have to at least be civil towards one another to make progress. And that is OK. And sometimes that starts with, hey, man, I don't really understand because all I really want to talk about is fishing. I really just want to enjoy my life. Why are we talking about that? And, and when you come from a real place, there's so many people who can just respect that conversation. I know my husband would just, yo, like, I appreciate you asking me. This is important because if you're coming from a good place with it, and that is how we make progress. And it is okay to, from a civil and respectful place, have conversation. So I want to encourage anybody that, um, who is who is not in a minority group? If you if you have questions, send them to us. That's honestly a, a, a wonderful thing that we can discuss on this podcast. Send us questions that you have because at the end of the day, someone has to have the uncomfortable conversations. And growth does not come from comfort. If you work out, you understand that you literally work out till failure. You want your muscles to hurt because they they hurt because you you hurt them and then they grow. Like that's. <laughs> it would I could go to having a baby you you have pain right before you deliver the baby all pain is a part of the process this is a part of the creation and growth process so if you are uncomfortable that is good that means you are engaging in on some level with what is going on and I encourage you not to quit I encourage you to even if it's in your private time just survey your thoughts survey your beliefs survey why you see certain people the way you see certain people and please, please, you can hit us up on Minority Outdoor Alliance Instagram. Mm-hmm. If you have a question, we will answer it honestly and openly. And we are so here to have open conversation and education. Yep. One thousand percent. You said, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I quit. It's over. No more. I quit. Ashley got it. <laughs> Plody already told me to quit anyway, so you know. <laughs> Ashley got it. She's the the founder, the original founder of Minority Outdoor Alliance, the new host oh of the Gun Dog Notebook Podcast. Yeah, He's so. being silly. Um, the pre- preacher, the legal team. There you go. You guys are really putting a lot uh, of sauce on that. You guys uh, got a little too much dip on your gal. chip. I do uh, like sauce, but you guys have got a little too much dip on your chip. Um, <laughs> I just get a little passionate, but. No, but Josh, I really love that. Um, let's ask each other questions, man. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's how we'll grow together, I think. I yes. hope, I pray. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, remind me to connect both of you with uh, a lady in New Mexico named Am. She fits the bill of everything that this is about. She has reached out. Minority Outdoor Alliance. So, can you get a name drop listening to this? There you go. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so before we get off this podcast, I want to say thank you all. Um, just real short, just a little intermission. Um, for everyone that's donated to the Minority Outdoor Alliance, we are actually well within our reach to fund a second scholarship recipient. So thank you guys. Um, I just had to put that one in there. All right, back to the episode. It's something that I felt like the world was calling for based on 
just the reception we've gotten. So I'm just grateful for it all, man. Well, and I, I think I speak for most of the hunting public when I say we very much appreciate what you, Darrell, Ashley have done through the Minority Outdoor Alliance, through the vision for it, and through getting rolling. And I am thrilled to be a part of a part of the movement and a part of the mission. And I think what you guys have put together, your brainchild, as it were, is, is a brilliant thing and one that we've all been wanting for a long time. I, I hope so, Thank man. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for, for just being on our team, man. We appreciate you. Hey, just let me be a gopher. I'll go for this and go for that. Hey, that's, that's cool, man. We all going for it. How about that? Perfect. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, Josh, did you want to leave anything with the guests, man? I'm good, man. I'm just, I'm excited about the scholarship thing and, and whatever ways we can get people involved. You know, if, reach out. Reach out to any of those names that were just name dropped. If, if you know them closer than you know Darrell or myself or Ashley or, or reach out directly to Minority Outdoor Alliance. And and play a part, you know. Mm-hmm. Get on the team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that uh, I think that's that's. Only, this is only the beginning, um, but I think we can wrap that podcast episode here or this podcast episode up right here. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. It's, it's a whole a wrap. wrap. But it's not a wrap for everybody in the outdoors. So. Guys, go check out MinorityOutdoorAlliance.org um, and donate, man. Like, donate to the cause. Donate. You know, we would really, really, really appreciate any and everyone's support. Um, I think, you know, this is going to be something really, really, really cool. Um, we're going to look back in 10 years and be like, wow, <laughs> the, you know, this is how it started and this is where we are so with that being said guys um that's another episode of it's a crossover episode between the gundog notebook podcast and minority outdoor alliance um and hopefully it's the first of many and josh i want to thank you for being the host my friend thank you for letting me ask you guys questions (laughs) (laughs) um tell us a little bit about trinity bretons before we get off of here Trinity Bretons, we're, we're hitting year 32 this year of producing, training, field trialing, champion dogs, best of the bloodlines from France. And if you're looking to get another dog, but you want that dog that's a demon in the field and a, and a couch potato in the house or an angel in the home, look us up. We'd be happy to help you out. If you have any questions about training, look us up also. We do a lot of work with George Hickok and some other high-end trainers. We're happy to have Linda hand. Oh, cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, guys, that's another episode. We hope y'all enjoy it. Get back out in the field. Get back on these public lands and waters, uh, particularly in this season of the pandemic, where you should be distancing anyway. Outside, get your vitamin D. Anyway, guys, talk to y'all next week.